When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, welcome back, one and all. This is your host, Kevin Pollack. Welcome to episode 26 of uh, my marvelous Mrs. Maisel Pod. Very excited for our my chat today. Our guest is um, an extraordinarily gifted actor. Uh, Stephen Houck and I break down season three, episode three. And um, yeah, he's one of these tremendous uh, character actors. Uh, a, a proud community, uh, and I am extraordinarily proud to be a part of. He plays Daws, D-A-W-E-S, Daws, the major domo to uh, Sophie Lennon, brilliantly portrayed by Jane Lynch, which uh, Stephen and I discuss quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we it was just a, a joy to talk to him about his entree into this universe, and um and his his take on who who Dawes really was and and why he feels he was selected to do, to portray Dawes as well as um what his experience was working with uh Amy and Dan and and Jane in this in this universe um yeah i think Susie may be the only other cast member he worked with in the in microcosm that was Sophie Lennon's apartment. I don't know that we ever saw Dawes outside of that apartment. Maybe that comes up in the episode here, 26, me talking with Stephen Hawk. Let's get to it. And then later I'll get to one of your emails. Looking forward to that as well. Thanks for joining me. And thanks for supporting this here podcast. Please enjoy this conversation I have about Season 3, Episode 3 with Stephen Hawk. Now, ladies and Jews, please welcome huh. Stephen Houck. And am I saying that correctly? Houck? You are absolutely okay. saying it correctly. Um, I was wondering if you were, because pretty much everybody says Hawk, but I figured you'd be prepared and know it was Houck. Yeah, well, I could only hear Pollock so many times throughout my life before Ooh. I thought, I need to try to sound these things out for other people. Yes. <laughs> those of us who uh, come from those European countries where the the accent yeah. the emphasis is different or the au is an ow instead of an aw yep we um we should be sensitive to those things shouldn't we yeah we try to be anyway um 
thank you for joining us today, my goodness gracious. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just love you on the show so very, very much, as do so many people that I'm just thrilled you can join the festivities here to talk about, you know, your your comings and goings on the show. And and then we'll break down our uh, season three, episode six, um, which, man, oh, man. Three, what a, I think three, three. So, sorry, sorry. Three, three. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, episode three of season three, uh, mm -hmm. titled panty pose <laughs> written and directed by dan palladino yeah. yeah so let's start with um how you were uh uh brought into this world of uh, mrs mazel well i auditioned for uh cindy tolan's office yeah and davison who was her assistant at the time uh was someone i'd known for quite a while she actually comes from milwaukee wisconsin and I went to grad school in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it was, and sh she had gotten me one of my first TV jobs on Law and Order. Wow. Intent. Sure. And knew of me from the program that, you know, it was uh, one of yeah. those showbiz, seems like a coincidence. And then it, so anyway, she was the one who brought me in. I auditioned and I, I got cast. Um, they wanted a British accent. I'm not British, but that is something that I've done on stage, you know, many, many, many times. Uh, yeah. I have classical theater training background, and I uh, like to think that I can do, you know, and of course, there are so many Brits playing Americans on TV these days that I, I sometimes say, well, I'm one of the few Americans playing a Brit on American TV. Uh, Although I think that Dawes really isn't British. I think he is just an American guy that, but Sophie wanted a British butler. So he had to learn to play, play Brit. That's, well, I love that's, that version. Yeah. I that's wish my version. I, yeah. I wish they would have writ, written to that. Cause I, that's, that's kind of delicious. Wouldn't that be, I, I kept waiting You know, I didn't ever mention it to Amy or Dan say, uh, you know, what if um, Dawes isn't exactly what he appears to be? Yeah, because he, of course, he's the butler's butler. He's the, not the gentleman's gentleman in this case. He's the ladies' gentleman. So major domo, uh, major domo. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the uh, Malvolio of the twelve. You're going to. I've played Malvolio several times. But I do um, want to see him out back on a smoke break. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Right. <laughs> and you know, Sophie nice. seems to have these relationships with everyone. You know, Wally Shawn says. Sure. Yeah, I was married to her once, you know. Yeah, yeah. She slept with everyone, married right. half of them. So why not Dawes too? You know, he could have been one of the her paramours along the way. Yeah, that would have been lovely. Well, listen, <laughs> what what they did write for you, you you owned in an instant. And mm. um and I want to talk about as 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 much of it as as you uh, can share so you auditioned you get the phone call they they'd like you to come play yes and what is the first thing is it like a wardrobe fitting is it a table read what happens for for you it was not you... a table read that came later i think i went in for a costume fitting because it had to be that perfect oh yeah white tie and tails yeah had to be impeccable yeah um as I recall, maybe going out to Steiner, mm -hmm. I believe uh, that's where we ended up. Um, 
And then we shot those scenes on the Upper East Side in a beautiful townhouse that's owned by a group called the Colonial Dames. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's, the let's, Colonial Dames. Let's mark that, uh, Producer Ken, for me to <laughs> add in the wraparound a little info about the Colonial Dames. Yes. I love the sound of that. It? It's, it's perfect, you know, especially for Jane Lynch. She's a Colonial Dame. Are you colonial broad? Yeah. You know, um, and they were very, very picky about where we sat and where mm. we didn't sit and where mm. we could walk and where we couldn't. So, you know, it was kind of perfect for me because I had to be very fastidious yes. in my entire approach. Um, you may recall, uh, you know, I opened the door and Midge has come to see right. uh, Sophie. And, you know, I call her in that scene, Miss Gleason. Interesting. And I don't know, I, I don't think I ever knew why after, because I didn't know what I was really saying at the time. I just was saying what the script said. Who is Miss Gleason? Was that her? That wasn't her maiden name. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. She's only known as Sophie London. Uh, or no, I'm, but Midge. I mean, Midge Maisel. Oh, you call Midge Miss Gleason. Yes, I say. You're Miss oh, Gleason, I think I, presume. I think we might be missing a joke that was somewhere in the script um, as to why she gave that name. OK. Yeah. Maybe she was incognito a little bit or something. Something or... going on there. Yeah. yeah. I assume. I think Harry that. Drake at that point was the connection for some maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. He sent her to see Sophie this mega successful comedian yeah who tells midge well you got to have a character yeah and yeah, yeah. he says uh, well lenny bruce doesn't have a character uh etc right um and the fact that sophie sophie from queens has this townhouse and this british butler so and good a uh, piano that was given to her by cole porter and these kind of things I mean, it's sort of endless, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It definitely they kept piling on more and more um, of how Sophie Lennon was richer than anyone could possibly be. And, yes, yes. Um, but it was a great day on set. It was a long day. It was a long, long day with a lot of different scenes and parts to it. But everybody I mean, was, was so happy. I was going to say that was season one. I'm just now remembering the. Yeah, that was yeah. season one, episode seven. Right. Um, that was Jane's first appearance, of course. You know. Yeah. So she was there, and um, she, of course, uh, I don't. I don't think your storyline ever crossed with hers. That I. No. Oh no. No. So, but you, I'm, you probably met her at some point. I, I assume, or maybe not. Jane, Jane yes. the actress? Yeah, Jane the actress. Sorry. Oh my goodness, yeah, I've known her for for a very long time. Oh, we okay. even did a, a short lived um uh, network sitcom together just before Maisel um and became much closer ah. uh, through that. Um yes. and yeah, I can according to her um my sense of humor, I can drop her like a sack of rocks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it, it is a great joy making her laugh because she's so funny herself. That she's so funny. And she doesn't 
No. You know, they, they used to call it corpsing. Remember yes. that? When you'd make somebody laugh on stage. They were corpsing. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't corpse that I've ever seen. She doesn't. She, yeah. She doesn't give it up. She doesn't give it up. No. No. But she's so funny herself. Yeah. Yeah. We. Makes other people. I, I, I love her madly. Um, yes. Yeah. She's exactly. And people ask me all the time, what's Jane Lynch like? And I say, she's exactly what you would imagine and hope that she would be like. She's yes. down to earth. She's funny. She's warm. Yeah. She sometimes shares very personal information where I kind of want to go, Jane, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Little TMI, but fine. You know, she didn't have, she didn't really hide anything. She didn't have any secrets. No. No, and from the public and, or anyone else. Also, it's a great vote of confidence toward you that she's mm. that comfortable with you, right? Well, that's sweet of you to say thank you. You know, she said to me, you've done a lot of stage work, haven't you? Because here I was doing this British accent and everything. And I said, yes. And uh, she loves the stage. You know, she just got finished with Funny Girl. And she right. had been Miss Hannigan in Annie on Broadway. And she came up through, you know, improv comedy mm. on stage. Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell a really quick story. I don't know if you'll be able to please use it that she said, you, you've done a lot of theater. And I said, yes. She said, oh, I love theater. And you have such a great voice. I had this wonderful voice and speech teacher in undergrad named Susan Sweeney. And I had a mad crush on her. Uh -huh. And I said, uh, Jane, I, I studied with Susan Sweeney in grad school in milwaukee so that was wow. a yeah that was one of those another kind of coincidence showbiz coincidence that she had picked up on something but that happens a lot i think with people who study classical yeah. theater especially with this teacher there is right. a, an imprint made yeah in the in the speech pattern and she so. picked up on that and we and we kind of uh, shared it so that was one point of um, connection between the two of us. And each time we would see each other, you know, we'd, we'd canoodle and uh, have a great time. We had one whole episode where we were sitting off camera while Alex was on the phone. Oh yeah. So we got to sit in this little fake bathroom sure. on Apple, Apple boxes together for the better part of six hours or something. And just had, you know, such a great time. Yeah kibitzing and uh that's her. doing the things you do when you don't have to be on camera and you're not under that under that kind of scrutiny so i had some great times with her for sure yeah i think she and i would both tell you that off-camera stuff may be our favorite kind of <laughs> it is isn't it because you're getting paid but you don't <laughs> getting have paid to... the, the same as as if you were on camera as if you were on camera <laughs> yeah. under the gun to yeah and i i held my script she knew her lines she knew her lines cold. I was holding my script the whole time. I was afraid I was going to forget my one or two little lines. So she's also such a pro. You know, she doesn't ever go up. Yeah, she true. doesn't ever corpse, like we were saying. She just brings it yeah. every take. Yeah. And they all do. I mean, they really all do. Alex and, and um, Rachel, mm. you know, the people that I worked with. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the off-camera stuff is uh, talked about, I think, maybe a couple times on this with um, specific examples. But it it's not the norm, I would say, that the showrunners, in this case, Amy and Dan, 
insist on everyone coming in to do off camera, no matter if it's one line or six pages. That's right. Um, especially the phone calls. They're, they're very particular about that, which isn't the norm, really. No, not at all. And you're exactly right. That, that phone conversation was between me and uh, Dawes and, and Alex, Susie, yeah. with Jane in the background. You may remember, you know, sure. screaming and she was having a Roman wax to That's remove right. hair from where it shouldn't be. So it was the three of us. And so then when, when we shot my side of the, of the uh, conversation, Alex and Jane were there. Yep. doing those lines and you're so right it's not it's not the usual way usually you can have anybody read in those lines because they're not going to use the audio they're going to use yeah and yeah. and it, yeah it's usually a little um cost prohibitive to, mm -hmm. to bring mm -hmm. people in when you don't need, actually need them and but here amy and dan say oh we need them and thank goodness because it really I, obviously makes a big difference i think it does those sometimes those little things um, I mean, there's nothing worse than the, you know, script supervisor or what yes. have you, yes. or the co continuity person giving a flat line reading. Getting a flat, yes, doesn't, does not. Uh... No comment on them and the great ones who work with us and for us, but the fact of the yeah. matter is they were not hired for their acting ability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, did you yeah, have some I... off, you did have some off camera things? Your... Oh sure, throughout yeah. the whole thing, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's something that you you embrace, mm -hmm. uh, and then you ultimately end up celebrating. Oh, this was great. This was wonderful. That do we, and and it, it's the same for everyone. That yeah. makes it even better. Yeah. Um, so now you're um, you you guys come back all throughout all first four seasons. That's right. I I came back in the the second season briefly. I think in the very last episode when Susie yes. comes to see Sophie, yeah. because Sophie wants her for her manager. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. And there's already a little antipathy, you know, between Dawes yeah. and Susie. I I think Dawes just looks at Susie and disapproves mm -hmm. immediately of this <laughs> short mannish woman is it a woman is it a man you know it, who is this why does this person get to be in the presence of my sophie yeah not um, dressing uh to represent money of any kind no and then of course she goes away with a fur coat yeah i was gonna ask <laughs> is that the one where she walks out in a fur coat and it's such yes. a great great joke and call back to when midge walks out in a fur yes coat. Yeah. that's right um sophie just gives gives fur fur coats away um, and, you know, there was a little scene between the two of us in that episode that was cut and I was disappointed. I'm, you know, that happens all the time Sure. where I said something to her, like, good luck, you know, because I was, you're going to, she's about to see Sophie and she goes into the room and Sophie's sitting on a throne right. with those with two, two Russian dogs. wolfhounds next to her. And by the way, which that took a long time to make to film that when the dogs would do, you know, the right thing, of course, as you know, animals can be unpredictable, but um, that was the second season. The third season uh, was like we're saying episode three where yeah. Susie comes back and there's already, there's a little more of that friction. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. 
with Dawes and Susie. Um, and then I show up in that later in that episode. I mean, sorry, not the season. Yeah. Off, he's rehearsing for uh, Miss Julie. And yes. I'm there and I hand her a uh, lemon wedge on a silver yep. plate in the middle of rehearsal when she's a little uh, discombobulated. So that's right. I would I popped up every so often and then I was in a couple of episodes in season four, but no season five, I guess. I, I assume I don't think Jane's in season five. Am I right? Or well, I don't want to spoil oh. for the listeners who might be listening to this in yes, chronological order. Um yeah. we cannot confirm or deny the involvement of either one of you in season five. Mm. <laughs> Great. Edit. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um well, I do love the moment. Well, let's 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 jump into um, season three, episode three, so mm -hmm. that we can get to the point where Susie returns to the manor, because there's some just wonderful interactions there. And mm -hmm. thank you for um, rewatching. Um, ha had you just seen it when it originally aired, or are you an actor who never watches your own stuff, or what's? I I'm sure I watched it when it came out. Yes, I. I definitely watched the show. I wouldn't necessarily binge it all, you know, mm. when it when right. it, it dropped. But I, I, of course, I wanted to see what what of me, you know, <laughs> remained in and uh, how it came across. Um, so, and I do recall the the rest of the episode. Um, Susie years at Harry Drake's office yes. and um, coming then coming to um, report to uh, to Jane and then they go in the what writer's room is smoke filled and all of the guys, what time is it a.m. or p.m. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wally Sean and all that. And like I said to you, I thought one of the funniest things was when you are you and Caroline Aaron are looking at the schedule for ethan and esther and you, this is very faint we can hardly read this this is you know it was that's yeah to me just perfect you know amy and dan writing that kind of little they detail. do love nuance and detail it's so yes. specific yes um all right well let's jump into this episode as i think you mentioned it all does begin uh, with Harry Drake delivering the not so great news to uh, to Susie there in a giant conference room, the biggest table ever to accommodate a phalanx of uh, yeah. lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, and Harry makes it elite, uh, hilariously abundant that even though Susie is now Sophie Lennon's new manager, he still has a contract with her for over five and a half years. I remember yes. thinking as a alleged piece of talent. Um, oh, the contracts they had to agree to back then. Mm. Um, anyways, he points out it gives him ownership to every creative thing she does, except uh, as Susie learns when she takes the contract into a bathroom break <laughs> right. and, and storms back in, ha ha, I've got local commercials. And they have, <laughs> yes. They have a bit of fun with that at her expense. David Pamer is so great. He is so great. He's so deadpan and yeah. so so perfect. Yes, uh, relishing mm. his upper hand after mm -hmm. all she's put him through. Really, in the their episodes together, going into this one, right? 
um, helping her, being disappointed and frustrated, blackballing her and her client, and finally settling on this, um, again, relish of of news delivery. Yeah. Uh, but then he lays on her, did uh, Sophie Lennon mention Strindberg? Yeah. <laughs> you can have that one too. And, yes. And the word uh, foreboding certainly comes mm, to mind. Mm, yeah. Foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. Because she mentioned in the first episode, I think that she was a graduate of the Yale School of Drama and she, that she always wanted to play Blanche in Streetcar and the great. Yeah classical roles of both American and European theater. So it didn't come out of nowhere that she wanted to do Strindberg. Um, right. Or, was... or or any legitimate theater um, was not a, a total surprise. Right. Um, and it's such a great little plot point to, to bring uh, the two of you back and her storyline to continue. Um, mm -hmm. I do want to point out that during that opening scene, Harry Drake's assistant comes in and says, Groucho Marx is on the phone. And he says, yeah. tell him I'll call him back. And then he looks at Susie and says, look at that. Groucho waits for you. Mm. Just a, a little setup before he rips her apart. Uh, certainly suggesting she's the big time now. Now yes. that she's got Sophie. And now here's the bad news. Yeah, just delicious stuff. And the... You know, the, the addition of, of Groucho Marx is a such a perfect example that uh, Amy and Dan know that period and know oh, yeah. just the right person to... I'm sure they debated. Yes, who they should we did. have? Who should we have on the phone? And then they mm -hmm. would run through various options. There were many, Jack Benny. Yeah. There's all sorts of people they could plug in. And they probably even went to the point of of bouncing the the words look at that jack benny waits for you nah, it doesn't quite have the ring mm. look at that gleason waits for you nah, nah, nah. and then they got on groucho and that was that yeah. like that's perfect he's the perfect person everyone will know who he is the one word one name rather one yeah it's funny uh just groucho marx is a funny name sure but it's it, it's it's indicative of the like you said the detail and the nuance yeah they bring to the writing and to the period mm -hmm. uh, because they're very true there are so many little references that not everyone is going to get but when you get them you think oh god i'm so smart i'm oh, so absolutely. clever to know who they're talking oh. about in passing and uh that's a that's a wonderful gift to give your your audience isn't it that little Oh, it's extraordinary. In fact, yeah. last season when uh, Mid starts dating the, doc the good Dr. Benjamin, mm -hmm. won wonderfully portrayed by Zach Levi, um, you know, they they have this moment where he takes her to a art gallery and walks her around. And as they're leaving, there's a smallish Asian woman in, dressed in black holding a green apple looking at a painting and i remember texting amy and saying after re-watching it in prep for the episode of the podcast with zach amy was that supposed to be you know 
Um, and uh, she said, "Oh yes, oh 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 yes." I don't I don't know who was who was it supposed to be. Oh well, think of the Green Apple. Magritte. Think, think of no. the time of nineteen sixty in the beginning of the art scene, um, and like John that. Lennon and Yoko. Oh. So oh. prior to Lennon, Yoko was uh, uh, quite a fixture in the art world. Oh, and so, see. yeah, you would have missed that. I would have missed that. Yeah. But you picked it up. See, well, that's... again, I give credit to my research producer for the podcast and long, very long time better half, Jamie Foxx. She caught it and said, is that supposed to be Yoko? No. And I, said, ah. I said, I'm pretty sure, but let me let me ask the source and... And Amy was delighted that somebody caught it. So yeah, there's all those little nuances throughout the show that yes, I think you're right. Mostly go unnoticed. Um, yes. That means so very much to Amy and Dan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the next scene, we go to the Weissman apartment. Um, it's going to be a gathering. And the, th the thrust of the gathering seems to be to, to pick over Abe and Rose's furniture as they're packing up to move. Right out um of course we get the famous tush test yes. but also uh, a feast is being prepared and so it makes and 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 astrid and noah come over and she keeps mm -hmm. saying someone touch my belly please and it eventually evolves into as you said the doling out of these copies of uh, midge's itinerary and where moish does comment his their copy is very faint <laughs> But because of that feast, it felt like, is this a holiday gathering? Uh, or or did Zelda make all this food just for the picking over the pieces and discussing of the itinerary? It's never actually answered as a question. Is it not? No. Well, Midge is making her famous brisket. Which makes me think there's a holiday involved. Yes. But it could Although just she, be. She pulls that out a lot. She makes it in Vegas for Shy Baldwin's. She certainly uh, does. Entourage, right? But, and then this one, the, the oven is broken. So it has to go to the neighbor to be cooked. Yeah. Right. Who keeps half of it. But yeah. it's a wonderful little scene where she and. Yes. Uh, yes. Michael Zagan are, are reestablishing some some intimacy. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it's it might just be Shabbos, you know. The, mm -hmm. the Jews will gather to eat yes. um, weekly <laughs> if you let them. Yes. Um, but yeah, the tush test, trust the tush, all that stuff is so much mm -hmm. fun to play. And again, so nuanced and, and you know, again, from a writer's standpoint. So the, the family's going to come over. They're going to look at Rose and Abe stuff. Let's get Moish and Shirley in there talking about their new home in Forest Hills. and. Mm hmm and of course, all of these moments sort of, um, as you mentioned, the rekindling of intimacy between Joel and Midge, and then back to Abe and Rose, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And they walk out and see Moish and Shirley in the dining room. And Moish So point, many rooms. So many rooms. Had that been brought up before at all that Moish and Shirley were thinking that they could move in with them in Forest Hills or was that the moment when it was it was the moment and it was a big highlight for the four of us to play of course in in the uh, episodes thereafter when they ultimately moved in with yes <laughs> with, with the Mazos. we it was yeah. such a fun storyline um 
but from there, uh, we go back to Sophie Lennon's apartment uh, when, in fact, you your character lets Susie in once more. And right. Susie informs him, and this is that delicious part, that, uh, listen, since uh, your boss and I are going to be working again together, maybe you mm. might want to treat me with a little more respect. Yes. And Dawes makes it quite certain that that's not coming. Right. You know, something funny about that, I because Jenkins is the the guy who opens the door uh, so that she falls into yes. that, that room on the side where there's always a, like a, a group of servants doing very weird, and not weird things, but ironing or... Sure, sure. Yeah. And um, so I had to say just Jenkins in one shot, you know, in a, in a, in a not a close up exactly. And Dan said, just give me a bunch of Jenkinses. And I don't know how you approach that. When I have to do like, you know, six or seven of things in a row, I start to overact a little bit or thinking I need to give them big contrasts. Yeah. So I started do almost like Jenkins, I'm, you know, or Jenkins. Yeah. And and Dan's like, uh, uh, wait, wait, wait. You know, I, I, I don't need, uh, <laughs> this is not Commedia dell'arte here, you know, uh, just, just Jenkins or yeah. Jenkins, it, well, just a little, but that's tiny, tiny things. Yes. Where on yeah. stage you might push the envelope a little bit, but yeah, I was going like, I don't know why. I just thought, oh, I guess I better give him big, big choices. Sure. You went uh, British slamming door comedy. Yes, I really did. And uh, he was like, very nice about it, of course. That's okay, Steve, just, you know. <laughs> um, and then when then they go up the stairs together. Oh, yeah. And uh, she looks back at Dawes and she looks back at Dawes. And I kind of tilted my head like this because they were going up where right. I couldn't really see them. And I remember thinking, mm -mm, I wonder if that's the right thing to do or something but they you know they did keep it in and i thought it was kind of fun just to watch my head yeah yeah go like this um and then they we had to put in that extra line i'll be here miss later mm. that was not in the script we didn't record that i guess they decided that dawes needed to say something to sophie as they were exiting up the stairs I'll be yeah. here, miss. And I was thinking, I'll be here, miss. I'll be here, miss. I'll be here, miss. You know oh, that? I'll, I'll be. be here, miss. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's a nice touch just because we're leaving out the fact that on the way up the stairs, Susie flips Dawes the bird. Right. And so right. maybe in post, they thought, no, we don't want Susie to have the last word here or the mm. last finger in that case. That's Let's right. Let's have Dawes. Uh, it's Dawes's decision or effort to not give Susie the last word. Very, that's that's a great, uh, that's a great interpretation of that. And of course, Matt Shapiro, the guy, the producer yeah. who works on the, you know, that aspect was terrific too. Post, um, yeah. As I was, you know, trying to decide how to emphasize the line or maybe I was even doing too much with it. You know, he was also there to say, that's all right, just, just, mm. just say it, you know, yeah. just let it. Because when you have few lines, I don't know how you deal with this. You know, sometimes the urge is to make them count. You know, and to yeah. act, and yeah. it's usually the opposite is to throw them away. You know, it's this is a normal thing. This is not yeah. a dramatic moment. This is just something. There is a purpose to it, like you say. Dawes wants to have the last word. Yeah, and that's 
and that is the purpose of the line anyway. Yeah. But it's funny how so so many um, people are involved in making these making these apparently effortless. Yeah. Episodes. We you know, we yeah. carry, I'm told, about 450 cast and crew. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. It mm -hmm. does it does take not just a village, a very large village, sizable village, <laughs> a township. I think we could move on and call it a township. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, now upstairs, as you mentioned, um, where Sophie takes Susie, they drop in on the writers' room, which is just such. We're hearing a, a noise. We don't know where it's coming from, and she opens these doors, and we see that smoke filled side room where the writers have gathered yes. and the lighting is dim and the smoke is thick and we see Wally Sean uh, make a great uh, return and even one of the other writers calls out do you remember me um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then towards the end uh, Herb S Smith I think is Wally's character says to Susie what what time is it and he tells her and he, he asks day or night yeah 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 it's just so rich with so little words. Yes. And then and then Sophie sits Susie down to explain and share her dream of doing mm -hmm. August Sternberg's play, Miss Julie. Um I love the way she says uh, as she's explaining it. I was in an orgy once and the man behind me raved about Sternberg. Turned out to be Eugene O'Neill, small yeah. world. <laughs> small world eh yes small world and just another one of those little <laughs> amy and dan bonbons yeah yes and i don't know if it's plausible or not but it's hilarious to think about yes sure yeah, yeah. let's 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 <laughs> not spend too much time dr drilling down on the plausibility right um and then sophie goes a step further and says you know i i need to be your number one even though you're going on tour with this shy mm. Baldwin. Um, I need yes. to be your number one. And Susie sees what the opportunity is, having made the decision to diversify with technically a much, much bigger client in terms of uh, success, mm -hmm. fame, fortune, and acquiesces. Yes, of course you're my number one. Yeah, which right. is just a great little uh, nugget of inside show business as to what what one does you know the mm -hmm. actor's version of that is you're at a meeting with a director and the director <laughs> uh, now this role calls for horseback riding do you ride and the actor famously says i have a saddle in my trunk <laughs> yeah you, yes. you 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 get along go along to get along yeah yes um a little extra side note johan augustenberg was a Swedish playwright, novelist, poet, essayist, and painter who lived from 1849 to 1912. And the play that Sophie is destined to do and destroy is called Miss Julie, as I mentioned, and it is from 1888. Wow. How about that? We are and they in talk briefly about who's going to play Jean with her. I think mm. it, um, she suggests not Olivier, but I think they, and it's Carrie Elwes ends up playing the yes, part, right? In, in, um, I Gavin. think, 
Yes, I think Gavin Hawke, maybe is, or something. Is the name of yeah the 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 British actor that carried that over. They, they bring in to play in, and I think maybe they kind of slip that in there too. You yeah, know, again, this wonderful foreshadowing when you go back. Oh, they've made it inevitable that it happens the way it happens. Nothing happens by chance. It's always no. the seed was planted at some point. Yeah, well, in the writers' room when they broke the season. Yeah, well, that's yes. That's <laughs> Technically right. speaking, that's when those yes. seeds were planted, and now they're blossoming. Yes. Um, and so then, yeah, we go back to the Weissman apartment next, and we do wrap up the things I spoke of: Midge carrying Esther through the house, goodbye to this room, mm. goodbye to the fire escape, and then there's this little nugget that I've reached out to Amy and Dan. She she stops at a, a, a framed, um. Uh, certificate on the wall with two little photos on either side of it and i i paused it and and, and looked closer the certificate uh claims that midge became the president of the dion quintuplets fan club and the two black and white photographs on either side of this frame certificate are in fact publicity photos of the dion quintuplets who as my research uh, uh, uncovers, pretty easy to find out. Yeah. They're famous enough. Uh, they were the first quintuplets to survive infancy oh. in American history. And um, uh, having been born in 1934. So at this point, um, they became TV and, and film um, celebrities, I'll say. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, this was never spoken about uh, in any scene. It's just while Midge is saying goodbye to her childhood home, um, they just thought, well, let's just put this on one of the walls as something Midge will remember from her childhood without explaining a thing. And right. it, 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 it takes um, the host and research producer of a Mrs. Maisel podcast. Yeah to to drill down a little bit on what the hell was that well, yeah yes but again they're not counting on most of people watching it to even yeah think of it much less wonder what it could be but it the texture it adds yeah. such authenticity and texture and i want to just say you know when she goes around the apartment goodbye fire escape goodbye that's to me emily from our town yeah there you go remember goodbye butternut tree goodbye sure. you know so their references are myriad and they're not always apparent at all that's right they're, that's right yeah so little tips of the hat right right um oh yeah and so i did mention the moment where just as abe and rose are coming out of his former library and saying what are we going to do where are we going to go i think Abe says something like fate will show us the way or something. And then they yeah. come across Moish and Shirley at the table. And yeah. that's when, as you said, Moish says so many rooms. And then Shirley <laughs> then adds, you just couldn't bring your furniture. <laughs> Which Mo Shirley hates all the furniture as it does yeah. Moish, even though it's beautiful stuff. I, right? Yeah. It's, Shirley kept insisting, is this from Japan or China? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, France. And then Rose pointed awesome. out Frank, Frank. Yes. yes. And it just kills Rose. Oh yeah. To to have to let go of this beautiful stuff, but also that these, you know, they are nouveau riche, Moish and mm -hmm. Shirley. Although mm -hmm. 
you know, self-made people and it came, came up the hard way. They're, mm -hmm. they're certainly, um, whatever fortune they've made for themselves is still something there that hasn't made them any more, um, um, well, respectful. Mm -hmm. No, other. right. Hoity-toity <laughs> or... Hoity -toity or oh, yeah, or yeah. even respected. Certainly right. not by Rose or Abe. Yeah. Um, and then the next scene, so much fun, Shy Baldwin's rented private jet. Right. Uh, wowsy wow. Because as Midge and Susie are, are settling in for the flight, we, we get that Susie is nervous. While Midge is making out postcards, and mm. Susie points out they're from the Idlewild Airport. <laughs> These postcards. Idlewild, yes. Yeah. Not Kennedy. Yeah. Idlewild, of course. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Reggie stops by and is pretty cryptic regarding their questions and concerns. Mm -hmm. But does pick up that this and ask Susie, is this your first flight? And she tries to lie saying yeah. no and he grabs the um perfectly titled barf bag huh. the paper bag and hands it to her and yes. says the plane's a rental <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah just those little you know people i'm old enough to certainly remember where you had to dress to fly and 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 everyone talked about oh i just had my first time on an airplane you know um and what yeah it it's the whole experience is sort of not lost on on amy and dan to share with us the audience of what susie's going through um mm -hmm. and it's just sort of beautifully played and and beautifully yes. shot and yes. and um yeah yeah pretty great and there are the funny moments, you know, the stewardess ignoring her midge when she wants a gin and tonic or something three or four times and then saying you should have ordered it earlier. And yep. And then, yeah. And midge even saying that's on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, in the plane starts to take off and Susie, of course, says, lift your legs. <laughs> right. right. Don't put any undue pressure on the aircraft by not lifting your legs. Right. <laughs> and yeah. says, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any difference but then she does it because yeah. of course yeah she 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 loves Susie and will you know she wants Susie to be comfortable and you know validated I mean that, that I know that's the underneath it the love between the two of them is such a wonderful thing because they're so oh my goodness different. yes yeah. yeah 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 um and then they arrive in Vegas mm-hmm um, and we have an exterior shot of period Las Vegas with the very specific names on the marquees oh. of the time. Who's who's headlining? Who's the opening act in some cases? Who was it on there? Elvis was it? No, no. Um, uh, I'll have to go back and yeah. add it add it into the wraparound. Um, but of course it was the. But it was perfect. Perfect, yes, person to give us. Ah, that's that's the period. That's the world we're in. That's the Vegas that we're looking at. Right? Yeah, maybe Danny Kay, whatever yes. the yeah, yeah, someone like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they arrive and they're in Shy's limousine. They're sitting across from Shy. Yeah. And they arrive and Shy's uh pal Henry 
uh, gives them a heads up that the 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 fans um, are and he gives it like a number rating. It's mm. a level Reggie says it's a level nine. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Midge is curious. What does that mean? Yeah. And Shy says, I don't want to spoil the fun. And he just gets right. out of limousine. And then as a oneer, we go from inside the limousine and follow behind Susie and Midge, who experienced the mm -hmm. the uh the line of on either side of their walkway of of photographers and news. Right people and fans all for shy mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and then Ty the next Baldwin thing you know is yeah oh, I, yeah. I mean johnny mathis is the obvious um yep you know model but uh maybe i don't I, I assume maybe johnny mathis did have that kind of response crowds you know um i don't know per se but of course shy does he's that famous he's that beloved. oh yeah no they they're they're marrying on their own research of, of Johnny Mathis' career, mm. and it, and um, yeah, and there's scenes later, of course, when uh, a future episode where Midge goes on Shy's rented boat, yes, and asks him, you know, what's it like to be famous? Do you like being famous? So they were certainly led to believe that he is um, wildly famous. And these moments help to sell that. So they walk into the casino floor and they meet the head of quote unquote food and beverage. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Angie is the character's name. Angie Calabrese. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, wonderfully portrayed by uh, Vinny. Um, have you had you did you recognize Vinny? Had you worked with Vinny? No, no, yeah. I but I I guess I honed in on that, of course, that Italian mafia. You can, you know, that goes back to Godfather, Godfather 2, whatever. Um, right, of course, and head of food and beverage, the way they keep repeating that like you know what we're talking about food and beverage not just food and beverage food yeah as if everyone knows what the euphemism is and Mer midge certainly doesn't and, and it's great yeah. that they have fun with that yes. uh lenny v veneto is is the actor's name who plays angie and he's just wonderful mm -hmm. um yeah uh yeah and he's he's great in everything uh side Bar fact, he has played in my weekly home poker game. Um, ah. Lenny Veneto. Veneto. Um, okay. Yeah, Flight of the Concords, I think, is the first time I saw him. But he's he's mm. been around and he's done great work. and He's perfect casting on this. Yeah. Um, and uh, on the casino floor, another great oneer takes us through the casino floor past many Vegas casino stalwarts of the day, like old-timey slot machines, gaming tables, and a chip man. Until we find uh, Shy and Henry and, and Midge and Susie walking across. Um, and then they get to their enormous hotel room. Yeah. And it is filled with these yellow little bears, stuffed mm -hmm. plush animal bears. And uh, we find out what Susie's weird ask for Midge <laughs> was. Right. And it's they just keep asking me. I panicked and I said, uh, 
Teddy bears. Yeah, that the yeah. room has to be filled with teddy bear, right? And, and the green M and M's thing. Yeah. 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 Medge even points out why why are they yellow? Why aren't they pink? Yeah. Oh right. Um, so even that wasn't done correctly. Um, right. Uh, oh, and then I love they actually go to the casino floor, mm -hmm. and there's a little time passage as they're they're gambling, uh, seemingly for the first time, and seemingly Susie's getting addicted quickly. Um, the slot machines, the penny, crap the penny table, slots, the yeah, penny the, slots, and the, as they're pulling the penny slots, you can tell they're newbies because they keep saying the newbie chant, which is that should have been something, should have been something, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Every and, time the, the the wheels stop on on not cherry cherry cherry, yes, um, <laughs> yeah. But she wins. Susie wins. Sure. She well, well that's what they do. They let you win just enough. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then she's trying craps and she's trying blackjack, uh, oh. returning to slot machines, and then back in the room. Um, Midge, as they're re-entering, Midge catches a glimpse of a band member of Shy's band, uh, Carol, being gently harassed by another band member outside of her room, and they have the little moment they share. Mm -hmm. Which again foreshadowing to to future conversations about let me show you the ropes life on the road. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. Uh I I I do love little foreshadowing moments like that as, as we've talked about. Um and it uh, all fits together like a puzzle, like you know, every yeah piece goes oh that's where that should go it nothing is nothing seems random i mean it in uh, retrospect yeah. you say oh yeah uh, i can see why that's happening um yeah. they set it up it's yeah yeah wonderfully st structured and thought through from beginning to end yeah um i want to mention liza whale plays the um hmm. carol the uh, as yeah. we learn later the bass player um, and, and none of this was actually shot in Las Vegas, I don't believe. Oh, no, in Queens. Queens. Okay. In Queens, yeah, that they used. Spoiler alert. Right. Because they did go to Miami and they. Oh, did, they sure did. They did go to Paris. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but then someone found out there was a casino in Queens they could use and it became a little too easy. Yeah. Um, but it ends with. Um, a little time passing that that's, uh, Susie's been sleeping. Midge is staring out the giant window of their hotel room and her eyes finally settle on something and she's quickly in a panic and wakes up Susie and says, follow me. Come on, come on, come on. And it, they, they go outside and she sees her name on the marquee. Uh, of course, on the headliner, Shy Baldwin underneath. Mm -hmm. um, it says those magical words with comedian. Uh, not spelled correctly in this case. Um, Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel, right. Yeah. And I will tell you, as a stand-up, when you do see your name on the big marquee for the first time opening up for someone, in, me, in my case, it was Harris in, Los, in, in uh, Lake Tahoe um, opening up for, oh... Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm spacing on her name, but she was part of the fifth dimension broke off in her own career and sang that Marilyn song. McCoo 
bill. It's Marilyn McCoo for 500. Uh-huh. Yes, Marilyn McCoo. And Marilyn McCoo and then underneath with comedian Kevin Pollock. And when I saw that uh-huh. on the Harris uh, or Caesars, could have been Lake uh-huh. Tahoe. This is, you know, some 40 years ago. I was um, uh, quite over the moon and took way too many pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with your little instamatic camera yep <laughs> bought in the lobby that the- that okay. very moment wow. um yeah and then there's a, a news conference on the casino floor with shy and reggie ask answering questions mostly about shy's love life more mm-hmm. foreshadowing mm-hmm. um and um the shy does answer one of them saying the love of his life got away and um and then we we see Susie and Midge off on the side and they see a publicity photo for Midge. And sure enough, it's the panty pose. Yeah. And Susie screams, uh, uh, fuck. Uh, And that stops the press conference, of course. Right. Right. And uh, gets Reggie up and off the panel, in fact, and 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 he dresses her down, yet again mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the matter. Um, and was and that next, photo, that panty post photo, wasn't that taken at like the USO show? It was the season opener. The season, okay, that's I thought I remembered that correctly. Yeah, but it just happened to be that her dress had blown yep. up at that moment, and they caught her from below, and you saw her. That's right. Her panties. Right. Yeah. The panty pose. Yeah. Um, next up, the Vegas showroom. Shy is pissed at the band. And uh, well, from her seat and little podium, music stand podium there, Carol points fingers at who else in the band might be the problem. Shy calls for let's take five and then ends up chatting up with Midge. And they there's we see them becoming pals, really, which is really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then back at the Weissman apartment, and Rose is walking through their now near empty apartment as Abe is playing a wistful tune on his piano in his otherwise empty um, library office. Mm. Um, and they both eventually walk to their picturesque window view of Central Park, which had mostly been lost on us. We didn't spend any time looking out suggesting as they take this moment maybe they didn't spend enough time looking at this good point not not appreciating what they had like so much of us do in life does tony Uh, play the piano was it you know was that was that him really playing by any chance i don't don't uh, it was not him really playing he has on a few occasions been asked slash forced to learn a couple of tunes they've certainly established that he can play and then wisely shoot it in a way where his emmy award-winning acting does all the work for us right (laughs) i'll tell you a quick story that in 1989 my high school girlfriend Mm -hmm. julie white okay went into the heidi chronicles oh wow and as a replacement and tony shalhoub was playing scoop yep and brooke adams was playing heidi they met I, in that production yeah. in that production i think that's where they met it is yeah yeah so i saw them 
because I went to see Julie make her Broadway debut. Of course. Later, Tony Award winner, Julie White. Yeah. And uh, when I worked with um, Tony later on another TV show that I can't remember the name of, uh, I it was fun to tell him that story, you know, that I had seen him and Brooke in the show yeah. that brought them together. And they've been married now for 30 something years i yep. believe and their and their beautiful dog's name is in fact scoop is that right it is oh perfect yes yeah yeah how about that yeah yeah very nice and thank you for sharing that that's the kind of stuff i love to hear um next in the show we're in a chinese restaurant where joel is seated at a table and in comes May, uh, enters and takes money from the manager out of the cast register, which is not lost on Joel. And then she eventually joins him at the table and makes sure he has better food than the feet and intestines he has inadvertently ordered. Right. And he claims after seeing her at the cast register, I'm on to you. So we have a budding uh, relationship there. We're not yet sure if it's a romance, but something's going mm -hmm. on. They and click. In yeah. some way, yeah, they yeah. have chemistry. Mm -hmm. Stephanie is so great. Oh yeah, as May. Um, back at the Vegas showroom, um, Midge is in the wings, about to go on. She's finally going to open up for Shy Baldwin for the first time. And I will tell you again, as a long lifelong stand-up comedian, before I even read this in the script, uh, what's about to happen? When I got to the part where she was in the wings about to open up for him in Vegas, I knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I liked that Amy and Dan didn't share with uh, the audience uh, or foreshadow this. You know, we've not really seen her bomb in front of a, a full house like this, no. uh, let alone the first time we're seeing her in such a big, important venue. Mm -hmm. But that is the deal. Um and especially Las Vegas. I remember I did a couple movies with Steve Martin in the first one, you know, we got friendly enough where I was comfortable to ask, you know, he, he knew that I was a stand-up. We talked about those early days and this many, many years ago. And um, you know, I was able to ask him, so what what was it that that ultimately had you leaving the stand-up world? And he said, you know, you're playing some big room in Vegas and they just hear the sound of silverware on plates, oh. even as the headliner. And you think, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't want to be here ever again, you know? And also he was the first sort of arena comedian um, playing to 20,000 people. And, and um, he said that he would, the first, five to 10 minutes of his act. It, didn't, it ultimately didn't matter what he said. The audience was so jacked up to see him at that moment. They lost their minds no matter what he did. Yeah. It took about a good 10 minutes before he had to earn any sort of response. Mm. So he said he would put the worst material up front because he, he knew it didn't matter what he said. Yes. <laughs> he had to do an hour and he was going to burn the worst pan up front. God. Yeah. S serve the cheap. No, all you actually you serve the expensive wine first right so that then by the time yeah so it's it's sort of the Obviously. inverse of that yeah. i guess my only near experience of anything like that is dinner dinner theater sure where you are you know clinking of plates and you hear the clinking and yeah you, yeah, you thought 
the modern theater thing. Cell phones are bad. Dinner yeah. theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, are there just, still dinner theaters? Are they? Do they still exist? I let's don't... hope. Let's hope somebody's paying dues yes. somewhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, Midge goes on stage and bombs only because the audience is there to see shy. That's the reason you bomb. That's the reason I I uh, had that horrible pang of memory from reading this moment and then ultimately seeing it on the show. These are, you know, but but comedians would 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 kill for these gigs, these opening up, knowing that it's not necessarily going to go well. The headliner and and his entourage need to love you, which is the case here. Mm -hmm. um, and because they know no matter what, what act goes on before me is being thrown to the lions while they're seating people, in this case, feeding them. Yeah. So that the audience is warmed up somehow a little bit. I'm not going out completely cold. The great uh, uh, concert um, genius, Bill Graham, uh, not Billy Graham, but Bill Graham out of first New York and then San Francisco where I'm from, loved putting on comedians before. I mean, I opened up for Pat Benatar on her first tour, but also the Manhattan transfer and also, oh. you know, uh, wow. yeah. So you would get, and, and again, no one in the audience is there to see you. They don't even know who you are. Right. Uh, they would appreciate it if you would just move it along. Hmm. Um, and, and getting to the point where you were not just making the band laugh uh, from the back of the room was the challenge. Yeah. And um, hopefully someone was experienced enough to give you a heads up before you went on stage. Listen, this is not going to go great. You need to know that and explain why. And we didn't get that here and Midge didn't get that here. So we saw her come off stage feeling as low as we've ever seen her as a performer, really. Right. And um, and then she's greeted by by Angie, the lovable mobster who calls her over to his table in the outer restaurant of the showroom and says, sit down. You were great. You got big laughs. Those last two jokes, you know. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. And and just beautifully played again by Lenny. And and um, it's just that perfect. It calls over the waitress. She'll have the steak and the thing and he's ordering for her and just old world Vegas. Um, mm. yeah, just, just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then Susie, me, if I can go just ahead. say, it reminded me a little bit of the Louis CK, he's performing in his show, he's performing at a casino and Joan Rivers is in the other, the big room, I think, sure. and he bombs and then he goes to see her and she's like, he wants to give up. Mm -hmm. And she just says, you never give up. You keep getting up there. You keep. And that's what Susie does to um, Mid. Fan isn't fantastically it? takes her, yeah, to a lounge in the same casino. Uh, ultimately, where people like Don Rickles started, and we're seeing a, a comedian on stage in the lounge, and he's playing to a smattering of maybe a dozen people at various mm -hmm. little tables, and he's not killing by any stretch. No, but Susie says you're going to get back up on stage right now. And um, Midge is reluctant, but then does. Mm -hmm. And at least feels at home, right? Instantly. Mm -hmm. And um, talks as she does about the moment, in the moment. I was just in the big showroom bombing um, where you people clearly can't afford to go see a show. <laughs> yes. You know, just seizing the moment and living in the moment. Um, Amy writes those great 
monologues, as does Dan. And and, um, and then sure enough, Shy and his entourage gather at the back of this little lounge, watching Midge on stage. And um, he's, as they did, you know, the deal with Rickles in his days of being a lounge performer, it was, as the story goes, Sinatra and his entourage, who would go and watch Don after, after their show in the big room and it would sit uh, in the lounge and, and have some highballs and watch this rapid fire, crazy little Jew comic uh, that made mm-hmm. Frank laugh. And then they became ultimately friends and Frank ultimately knighted Don in those, in that setting, you know? Uh, um, so th- a little bit of replication of that here as shy gathers in the, in the people who happen to be in this lounge suddenly do get to see shy perform, even though he pulls Reggie up on stage and the two of them go at something, something. Yes. That's yeah. Right. Which is, which is just that great vibe of those days of Vegas where, you know, in the lounges every now and then you would see someone from the big showroom come in and do a little sideshow or what have mm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did love that yet another great tip of the hat there. Um, and then we go out, we're back in the kitchen and Midge is making another brisket. In this case, yeah. uh, the Vegas casino kitchen and the entire band and entourage is in there. And, um, again, Reggie gets in Susie's face and says, is your girl going to get good? Is she mm-hmm. going to get good? Cause she, she could take over as the tour chef, you know, in referencing her brisket and how happy yeah. everyone is to eat it. Right. Susie stands her ground. Yeah, she's going to get good. She is good. And it's kind of great. And then Reggie leads the entourage and um, open the door. Richard, a, a hit from Louis Jordan's 1947 album. Few albums he put that song on. It's um, And it was an interaction between him and the band. And it was a bit of gospel. And it was a bit of, um, you know, a, a, a sing-along for for a, a, a band leader singer and, and the mm. band and, mm-hmm. yeah so that was a little another tip of the hat of what might typically happen with a band on the road who gathered in the kitchen after a show yes and that and- song carries us back into an exterior shot of Moish and Shirley's sizable Forest Hills home um, where we see Rose and Abe approaching up the walk carrying a piece of luggage each letting us know they acquiesced and buckle up because mm-hmm. this should be interesting. Oh yeah. This is oil and vinegar. This is uh, yeah. anything, anything with a combustible reaction that these two couples. Yes. Yeah. And if only Dawes had been there to open the door, <laughs> open the door Dawes, not <laughs> yes. open the door Richard. Right. We had the the lyrics right. all wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, golly, anything you'd like to add as we're sort of wrapping this up? And thank you so much for all that you did and have. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been so much fun. Um, it just struck me how much happens. Yes. In that's just okay. one episode. And you, the the plates spinning yeah. are, are mind boggling because, yeah, you know, and it's taking place in different places, and uh, like it's one said, of Amy and Dan's so rich and so yeah. layered, 
there's yes. nothing there's nothing uh, that doesn't happen without a reason without right. repercussions without a subtext without you know something happening underneath what's happening it's uh, you're making me appreciate the show all over again um well good it down that way yeah that's my pleasure and um mm -hmm. and and your participation in this magical show um is a fan favorite and a favorite of the cast as well and yeah just just incredible just owning a character within a nanosecond you know it's mm -hmm. one of the challenges and joys when it happens and amy and dan's genius is in uh, uh much is in casting and so to be selected by them mm -hmm. but then to want to make mom and dad happy and proud yes uh is celebrated in your performance as well mm -hmm. and um and what a joy to have you well thank a part you of, a part of this show and a part of this podcast it has been um a, a wonderful run for me you know the four four seasons uh getting to come back because as you know when you come back to a set and oh hi how you been you know yes. jane or or alex or dan or amy there's a whole different like oh okay i'm not going to be holding my breath quite so much about not at all doing yeah. something doing it right you know yeah. um yeah great uh funny man and and writer and an actor brian doyle murray uh, was a neighbor of ours and he laid one of the great comments to me that beautifully reflects what you're describing i was recurring on something and mentioned that to him and he said oh yeah i love recurring yeah they're always happy to see you and there you, you haven't go. worn out your welcome yet <laughs> yeah but they're glad to have you back for <laughs> <laughs> yeah also the slight undertone of there might be somebody in the uh, regular cast that that's annoying <laughs> so they have yeah. the reprieve yes that's yeah. right that's right and and they work they're so nice you know then the, yeah to, to uh keep all those plates spinning as we were saying and yet to make to all appearances the set feels so relaxed yes yes quite relaxed it, and also relaxed they love actors Amy and love and and I'll tell you one just quick I know in one of the episodes that Amy was directing she just sort of mentioned oh yeah I, I do have uh, 30 pages to write so in she was directing the episode and writing a future episode during and, setups yeah uh, yes and I was like this brings multitasking to a whole new level she yeah because uh, directing and, and acting or uh, I'm sorry, writing any of those to me would be a more than full-time job. And she can sort of finesse both at the same time. I mean, that's... Yeah. The marching orders from Amazon from the beginning, who are this, in this case, the studio and network, um, was just make every episode look like a movie and feel like a oh. movie. And so Amy and Dan have beautifully executed those, mm -hmm. those orders. And um, they are kind of savants in a way to make a show this large and this um you know uh, it's large and yet diverse and diverse and magical visually yes. stunning the music is extraordinary the writing is just such a cut above and yes yeah. and i keep 
thinking of that word layered again. Oh, that yes, yes. Nothing is superficial. Nothing is. Uh, no, no. Just, just, just what it is. It's always no filler. No filler. None at all. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they've kept it up for now, going on five seasons, and it's going to be. Uh, it's 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 a I think it's a benchmark in in television. That's a fair uh, bet and assessment. Let's just say it. It's a benchmark. It's a benchmark. I mean, yeah. absolutely. It has yeah. set a standard in many different areas. That, and to uh, participate in any way for you and I has absolutely been a blessing, I would say. Right. Yes, yeah. it has. Yes, it has. And this well, Stephen, has been fun, too. Thank you yes, so much. Thank you. Uh, it was one of my plans all along, my my uh, sort of laying out through the cast in front of the camera, but also behind. I just spoke with Donna, our genius wardrobe uh, magician, oh. yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I've spoken with Bill Groom, our, our genius, also multi-award winning production designer. And, and um, yeah, so many in the writers. And so, yeah. Uh, you are a, a, a um, equally important part of the show, and thank you for for all your work on it and and um, helping to me to recap the panty pose. The panty pose. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Stephen. How would Dawes say that? Jane Little was going around saying Dawes, Dawes. Yes. Dawes. Yes. Stretch it. Yep. Stretch it out, baby. All right. Thank you. Um, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, and there now you see why I was so excited to talk with Stephen in the opening comments of mine, um, recalling this uh, joyous day. Just super intelligent, super bright. And, and what an art artistic f um, a view of uh, all things Maisel. You know, it's always about the... Uh, specificity uh man i struggle with that word have you noticed i don't even know if i said it correctly just now um but actors one of the few lessons i got early on was to just make your choices specific um, whatever they are so it's always uh, uh extraordinary for me to hear another artist um, describe the specifics of scenes you've also heard me call them nuances but that's yeah the specific moments of of an actor's choice of a costume designer's choice of a set designer amy and dan and so on thank you stephen hauck and uh let's get to one of your emails now shall we uh open up your oh speaking of costume designers next episode that's right no, I've got. I've done it in reverse. Did you enjoy the last episode with Donna? <laughs> uh, right before this one. So if you're listening to him out of order, the episode right before this is with the genius wardrobe designer um, Donna and um, oh, it's an extraordinary episode. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I can tip who the next episode is after Stephen. Ooh, brilliant actress Madeline Martin. Yeah. Uh, portraying one of the great characters um, from this sort of young, almost beatnik generation that uh, envelop Abe's world uh, on his way to starting a newspaper and then deciding ultimately to work for the Village Voice. 
So Madeline and I will break down season three, episode four. Be sure to listen to that in preparation for her and my discussion. But first, let's get to your email. Thanks to all of you for writing in or sending your audio and or video messages to my Mrs. Maisopod at gmail.com. And um, yeah, if you listen to the Donna episode, I'm remembering, um, don't forget uh, for a chance to win one of an autographed copy of her book, write or record, send me message, please, about um, what was your favorite outfit and what scene, what character, why, what made it so great. Get all the specific choices you can make in order to possibly win an autographed copy of Donna's book. Her autograph, by the way. <laughs> Not mine. That would be funny, though. Okay, let's open up the mailbag, shall we? Oh, boy. Our mail today comes from Naya. I don't think I'm saying it correctly. N-A-I-A. Um, who writes, Hello, I'm Naya, and I have three questions for the Maisel family. For Kevin Pollock, Moish didn't find Midge so funny. But what was her funniest moment for you? I assume she meant you, comma, Kevin. Um, so Midge's funniest moment. Well, you know, it's never easy to pick the one. So I'll give you a couple. Um, that very first monologue when she, her very first time on stage, drunk in the pilot, uh, stumbles on stage. So good. Um, but also I love how brilliantly funny she is in the season four opener on the Ferris wheel, Wonder Wheel, as it's called, at uh, Coney Island. Yeah, extraordinary. And, but also when she performs live at, in Miami when Abe accidentally or, or secretly watches her, unbeknownst to her, and then she discovers it at one point during the show. That whole. And then her performance at the Apollo Theater, also extraordinary. Um. Yeah, Rachel Brosnahan is a one-of-a-kind talent with pretty absurd timing and understanding of the musical rhythms of dialogue and acting and comedy. Bless her. And bless you, Naya, for asking that wonderful question. You've got two other questions, so one from Michael Zeig, one from Caroline Aaron, and I will pass those along and get those answers back to you. You go on to comment in your email. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I love the show so much. It changed my life in so many ways. I'm deeply, deeply, nope, deeply grateful for these five seasons, and at every opportunity, I'll watch the series all over again. Success to you all. Thank you, Naya. Uh, continue to write to us, please, or send your audio or video messages to my Mrs. at gmail.com. Be kind to each other. Uh, write reviews, subscribe, do all the things you can to get the word out. You know, we still need your help. Oh, we very much do to, uh, uh, gain that word of mouth, uh, promotion of this here podcast. Let the folks know, please. And uh, as I said, please be kind to each other. Until next time, I'll see you in my dreams. Yeah. Okay, closing credits time. My Mrs. Maisel Pod was created by me, your host, Kevin Pollack, research writer, producer, Jamie Fox, and our engineer, recording, post-production producer genius is Ken Plume. My Mrs. Maisel Pod is brought to you by the fine folks at Q-Code.
Q-code. Sounds like something, doesn't it? Oh, lastly, you should know, I'm told by legal to make this crystal clear, that my Mrs. Maisel pod was not sanctioned in any way, shape, or form by Amazon Prime, nor the show's creators, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, although I feel the need to mention I did get their blessing. Okay, good. That should save me some legal fees. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, life is hard, so come play pretend with us. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.